Y'all, I'm so excited for this episode of Connected with Kelly. Welcome back. I'm glad you're here. We are talking to a literal angel on earth, Kimberly Schlappman. You know her, the beautiful blonde from Little Big Town. She has written a children's book called A Dolly for Christmas. It's all about her family's adoption journey and how her daughter Daisy prayed that she would have a little brother or a little sister one day. And according to Kimberly, it's kind of miraculous how it all came about. Just in time for the holidays. Let's get connected with Kimberly Schlappman. Congratulations on this book. This is incredible. What was it like the moment that you actually got like that proof and you got to hold it in your hands? It was amazing. I remember it, it was delivered to the door. I happened to look out and I, cause I expected it to be here in a day or so. And so I kept looking out for it. I looked out, I saw this big box cause they sent me 20 that I got to keep for myself, but I've given them away of course. But I saw the box and I was like, oh, it's the box. So I went and got my phone cause I wanted to video it and um, went out and opened the box. And when I opened it and saw the little books sitting there with their glittery cover and all that. I was just blown away and overjoyed and just excited because this story is straight from our hearts. It is totally true. Every bit of it told from a child's eyes from Daisy's perspective. And I couldn't wait to share it with people. Give us the story, if people are not familiar, of your sweet baby girl, Dolly, and really the inspiration for this book. Um, I think Daisy, my older daughter, is definitely my inspiration for the book. When Daisy was four, she started asking for a baby. And so what she didn't know at the time is that my husband and I were already trying to have an, a second baby and we were having trouble. And so um, she started praying and she prayed every single day for five years for a baby. During all that time, we started getting more serious about um uh, physically, you know, uh, with doctors and fertility treatments. And we went through all kinds of fertility treatments and um, th those all were losses. They, they were devastating. We had miscarriages and, and, you know, it just, every time we went through a new one with renewed hope, it ended in heartbreak and devastation. And so we finally decided, you know, we always wanted to adopt. So we thought, well, I believe maybe it's time to start the adoption process. My husband and I was like, let's do it. So we started the process and, and we had Daisy really involved in that. And um, she, cause we, she wanted it so badly. We really wanted her involved. And, and so she decided that year that we were in the adoption process that she would also talk to Santa. So she, um, she sat on Santa Claus's lap and she said to, to Santa, I'll, all I really want for Christmas is a baby brother or a baby sister. And Santa kind of looked at us and he looked back at Daisy and he said, well, darling, I don't know if even I can do that. And she, little Daisy said, I know, but I thought maybe you could talk to God about it. So I think that's exactly what happened. I think Santa went and talked to God and they, they cause shortly thereafter, we had a little dolly in our arms. And so I, I just want people to, who are out there going through infertility or whatever challenge you're facing, don't give up hope because you never know. You never know what's around the corner. I know that there are a lot of people out there that might be 
thinking about adopting or maybe they're in the middle of that process right now. Tell us more about what your journey was like. Absolutely. And that's one thing I secretly worried. How could I possibly love somebody, a child, as much as I love Daisy, whom I carried? How could I possibly do that? But when I saw that baby for the first time, Dolly, and put her in my arms, there is not a single bit of difference in the love I have for those two children. It is exactly the same. And I've, I've been blown away by that because I, I was secretly a little bit worried. <laughs> was there a time that you just really couldn't talk about it? There was definitely, when my husband and I were going through the trenches of it, it was, it was pretty much a secret. Like I, there were, I mean, I could count on one hand, the people that even knew it was actually happening because when you're there, there's almost a sense of embarrassment because you you have failed. You have failed at what is the natural way to make a child. And so even though God has a plan for why that failure happened, when you're in it, when you're, it's just enveloped you, it's a sad place to be. It's embarrassing. It's devastating. It's disappointing. The disappointment. I mean, it's just one after the other after the other. So I think that it's hard to say, hey, guess what? I'm in fertility treatments because I can't make a baby on my own. And so that's why I think it's really hard to speak up when you're in the moment. But on the other side of it, I think it's crucial because I want women to know out there that you know, my life might look glamorous, but I have, I have gone through miscarriages where, you know, everything that happens in a miscarriage happens and it's devastating. And, and I have, um, I've bought 50 pregnancy tests, taken one multiple times a day because I think, well, maybe in a few hours it'll turn positive. And then it doesn't again and again and again and again. And I've been at, at a, I've been at a, at an ultrasound where um, last time we heard a heartbeat and there we are this time and there's no heartbeat. And so it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard to express into words how painful living that actually is. But on this side of the journey, like you said, I wanna be able to talk about it because I want women and men to know they are not alone. And there are reasons we go through that kind of pain. And sometimes we just have to hold out because what we what we're desperately wanting so bad might come in a way that we never ever expected so i hope that the book just gives hope and life and encouragement to people who are having a hard time whether it's infertility or adoption or whatever you might be going through you know little daisy had a dream and she did not give up and her dream became a miracle and it happens every day what was the moment like when you actually had the book in your hands and you got to read it to the girls? So when you write a book, you get draft after draft after draft after draft. So I kept getting drafts in the mail um, and I didn't let the girls see it. I didn't want them to see anything but the finished book. So every time I would get a draft, I would take it to my husband and we would secretly look at it and talk about it. And um, But I didn't want the girls to see it. I let them see the cover, but only the cover, because I wanted them to have something tangible to think about, you know, when they thought about, we were talking about the book, but I didn't want them to see the actual book. So I waited until the books came in the mail and I sat down on the couch with one here and one here. And um, I told them I had a surprise for them and I videoed it because I wanted us to have that memory to be able to watch back. 
so I told them I had a surprise. Did they want to read our book? And so they were like, yeah. So I pulled it out right there and read it to them for the first time. And it, it was, uh, it was emotional. It was emotional. Just seeing the story that's so dear to us come to life, you know, and, and then the hopes that it will also give other people courage and, um, love and, um, just some never give up, you know? Kimberly, what was it like the first time that Daisy got to meet her little sister? Okay. Um, the first time Daisy saw Dolly, my husband and I met Dolly first. We met her one day and then we brought Daisy in to meet Dolly the second, the second day. And I have a picture. It's super blurry. Um, it's not even worth you know, printing or anything, because it's so blurry. But I have a picture of Daisy's face when she saw Dolly in my arms for the first time. And her little face says it all. It's shock. It's happiness. It's awe. It's, oh, thank you, God. It's everything on that little, little face. Um, and, you know, she was calling her my baby instantly dolly is was and is her baby she loves that child so much so when she met her for the first time it was overwhelming for all of us because daisy really is the reason dolly is here because she prayed so hard and she never ever gave up on on having a baby we we were driving in the car daisy and i she was probably five and she said because she always talked about a sibling and she said mommy if I don't ever have brothers or sisters, then my kids will never have aunts and uncles and cousins. And, you know, so her little mind, even when she was so young, really was thinking so hard about this and how badly she wanted a baby. And so that first time was remarkable. What was that first Christmas like when you were all together as a family of four? The first Christmas was incredibly special. Um, you know, we, a baby's first Christmas is always, always special, but with our Dolly, it was, you know, it, it was actually the next Christmas when we actually had Dolly in our arms. So, um, even though she came at Christmas time, um, it was the next Christmas before we celebrated together. Um, and cause she came after Christmas, um, right after Christmas, but it, it was, it was a dream come true because it was something that my husband and I had been trying for for seven years. And then to have both of our, our baby girls there and in, in our, our complete family, what, you know, Dolly just made us complete. And not to say if uh, we have another opportunity, we would turn that down because we wouldn't, but, you know, she completed us and, and to have those babies together with the family at Christmas time. And our family also has been such an integral part of our story because they, they prayed right along with all of us and they knew the pain that we were going through and how desperately we wanted a child. And then there we all are together and those prayers were answered after all the devastation that had happened beforehand. You know, there we were. And it, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle how it all worked out. Are we ever going to get a Little Big Town Christmas album? We talk about doing a Little Big Town Christmas record almost every year. And something always happens that keeps us from doing it. What people might not know is that when you make a Christmas record, you have to turn it in by July because that's 
just the cutoff and then the record label does the record label stuff and um, they, they require you to have it turned in by about July. So it happens every year that something comes in our way, which makes me just believe like our story of little Dolly, there's a good one coming <laughs> and for some reason we're waiting for it. But finally, you know, one of these days, yes, it's always on our list. And my precious mother, um, I, she, she asks me every year, is this going to be the year? So I can't wait till I can say, yes, mama, guess what? We made a Christmas album. So we are going to do it. We, we're going to do it. Okay. Well, we can't <laughs> wait. We definitely want an LBT Christmas album. Um, can Thank we talk you. a little bit about what it's like to be on the stage again? I know you didn't have an audience for Country Christmas and, and you had a small audience when you were doing CMAs, but just that feeling of being on a stage again and getting to perform. What is that like? And have you guys really thought about what you could possibly plan for 2021? I hate to even ask because I know it's all up in the air. It feels so good to stand on a stage and sing with with my my bandmates and with our band behind us. It feels so good. The first live people we sang for since March, we sang at the Grand Ole Opry a couple of weeks ago. And that was the first time we had sung in front of people since March. And the Opry has a, a small reduced seating capacity right now because of COVID. But man, they made up for it. They made, they sounded like a full house. I think everybody was so excited to actually see live music that they just, they made up for their small size. And it, it filled up our souls to be able to make music again. First of all, our band, the four of us didn't see each other for like five months. And that has never happened in 20 something years. We've, we've never gone that long without seeing each other. And when we did see each other for the first time, it was for a virtual show. Um, there was no audience. But when we saw each other's faces, I burst into tears. We, we all teared up because it had been so long that since we had been together and we were kind of starved for each other. But, um, oh, being able to sing in front of people and knowing that you're doing this together because when you have a great audience, it's just a give and take because they just give you as much as you're giving them. And it, it's just a beautiful dance. And as, a, as for next year, it is kind of up in the air, but we are, I think we have something planned for the earliest would be April, sadly. Um, and I'm just praying that doesn't get postponed. Um, you know, but maybe with the, vaccinations maybe we can kick this in uh extra gear whatever gear goes like that <laughs> extra gear and um get get out there quicker i'm hoping and praying we cannot wait watching you walk on stage at the cma awards and pay tribute to kenny rogers was truly one of the highlights of the night for me what was it like working with kenny i know you guys worked together before and and what was he to you? What did his legacy mean to you? Well, I grew up on those Kenny records and, um, oh, I mean, I knew every word to those records. My, my girlfriend, Dawn had his albums and we would always listen to them. And then fast forward 20 years and we got to sing with him and, um, do a couple of shows with him. And then we got to do a, that big show in Nashville. That was the tribute to Kenny. We got to be a part of that. And, um, I, I'll, I'll tell you that every time we were around him, 
he was so kind hearted and so generous with his compliments and just so down to earth and being a Georgia girl, Kenny, I mean, I, I, he was just, I idolized him. My whole family idolized him and, and then being able to be up close and personal with him was just icing on the cake because it was even, that made it even better. And I will tell you this in my life, I've done two tequila shots, one with Kenny Rogers and one with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> so that's pretty special. <laughs> We're heading into the holidays. And of course, you're known for cooking. So what unique dishes do you have that will be on your table? What could you give us that will help us spruce up our next big holiday meal? Um, well, the special recipe, I do have a really yummy turkey recipe. Turkey's tricky because it can be super dry. But I believe, and my mother-in-law taught me, that if you baste a turkey the whole time you're cooking it, you can come out with a mighty fine juicy turkey. But in my cookbook, I have a recipe for peach sauce. So you make this peach sauce and then you inject it into the bird. And then as you're cooking it, you when that juice runs out of the turkey, you suck it up with the baster and drizzle it on top. Just you know, every 15, 20 minutes, really, if you can. And it, it makes for a super juicy bird. Um, I'm thinking of other, I mean, we have all the traditional stuff at our table, turkey, dressing, ham, uh, corn casserole, sweet potato casserole, all the casseroles. <laughs> My sister does make this really yummy um, thing with green beans. She has the beautiful long green beans and she wraps bacon around them and then she drizzles them with brown sugar. She just started that a few years ago and it's heaven. It's heaven. She can never make enough of them. <laughs> she makes more every year and every year we, we eat them up like that. But um, also I tell you, it's not a recipe, but a new tradition that we have as a family. My sister always brings um, a craft for the kids and that has become a really sweet tradition. So that's her thing she does with them every year. Um, that's Aunt Paula and she has a really special little craft and they all sit around the bar um the island and it's a disaster and it's it but it's so much fun i just love talking to you because you are a ray of light and you know we need that right now especially as we're heading into unknown territory we don't know what's to come in 2021 so what are some things that we can do to stay positive there is a lot of there's a there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of darkness right now. I think that even when you're in the midst of a really dark time, and I have been there um, more than once, um, I think it's important to find things to be grateful for. Even the smallest, tiniest thing, there's always something to be grateful for. And if we can focus on what to be grateful for instead of the negative, it, it's just, it just will lift you. It'll lift you up. Um, and sometimes we have to work really, really, really hard to pull ourselves out of a deep hole. But if you put in the effort and if you find things to be grateful for, you know, slowly by slowly, you can get your way out of, of the darkness. She is an absolute angel on earth. Kimberly Schlappman, thank you for sharing your story. The book, Dolly for Christmas, is out. It is precious, just like she is. So you can check that out and buy it. Um, it is just an absolute delight to get to talk to her. I would love to hear who you would like to hear on this podcast. So comment below. While you're down there, make sure you subscribe. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review, I'd greatly appreciate it. Until the new episode of Connected with Kelly comes out, make sure that you are staying connected with all the people and things you love the most. Bye.